here we are for this week's episode of Matter of Opinion. We're now at number 12. Super pumped. Always, always love recording and hearing what my co-star, Wyatt Barnsley's got to say on these topics. But, uh, you know, very excited about today's episode. Um, what, what more to say than let's just get this show on the road. Let's get talking, man. Um, yeah. Um, before, before we get into it, you know, a little message to our viewers out there. Do you have a beard? Does your boyfriend have a beard? Oh, boyfriend. Forgot about that. It's good. It's good. Do you want that beard to be silky soft and smell like Flowers. a morning sunrise? <laughs> well, if you do, head over to Barden.com and look at the assortment of products from beard oils, beard balms, to beard shampoo. And when you buy those products, use discount code MOO, Moo. at M-O-O. checkout. For 10% off any purchase, not just your first purchase, but every purchase that you make. It's never too early for Christmas. <laughs> I like your th- I like your thinking. I hey, like your if, thinking. If the though I uh, if the W channel can show Christmas movies, it's never too early to buy Christmas uh, gifts. Um, no, well said. Um, yeah, if you got a beard, buy it, you know, look into it. It's uh, you you've, you know, first-hand experience. You said it's great stuff, so Check it out. Um, one thing that we should check out too, that's in the not recently in the past days, but has been gaining more information and uh, bigger news headlines is the Division One cycle of programs canceling sports. Um, one thing that I wanted to note of is just looking at Stanford. Um, Stanford has discontinued eleven sports for the next upcoming season highlighted by the men's rowing, volleyball, and wrestling team, and women's field hockey, squash, and sailing team. Um, could you, I mean, you and I are both impacted by university sports, you being a fucking athlete and me being a wannabe coach, but um, what's what's your take on the cancellation of sports, you know, being an athlete and that the fear of that's going to be happening to Canadian programs too? Yeah, it it's a real fear. It it is. And at this point, I think a lot of us athletes are relatively in the dark because I genuinely don't think that the governing bodies really know what's going to go on and lots of it is schools handling it themselves. What's tough, especially in the US cuz I mean, Canadian university sports don't really bring in any any money or they definitely don't bring in enough to make your eyes pop out of your head like the NCAA does. But uh, the U.S. schools, if if you're in a smaller sport, like you're in trouble because at this point, I think hockey hockey's at risk, I think, in the NCAA for the uh, winter season. And uh, it, it's looking like football's not even going to happen. I, I don't think a lot of the players – want to play um it it sounds like nick saban's made it sound like that they're doing this all for the players but as an athlete myself i i don't even know if i want to compete i don't know if it's safe um i'd rather just stay away from sport and know that i'm going to be safe and that everybody else that i would be competing with is going to be safe rather than put anybody's health at risk yeah no that's um I'll, I want to talk about the uh, the Alabama Huntsville program a little bit later, but like you had said, right, 
the smaller programs and honestly, some of the program with specifically some of the football and basketball programs within American universities bring in large sums of money that help fund other programs. And when you can't have those fans generate the income from attending those football games at 100% capacity, you know, they're not going to cancel the football. They're going to look to other programs and cancel those. Um, and that's kind of, we saw that in Alabama Huntsville, right? They originally uh, declared that they were going to close the hockey program until Cam Talbot decided, you know what, we're going to help raise funds. And long story short, they're back on. But yeah, I mean, football is really interesting because you have a whole bunch of different opinions between, you know, some, like you had said, right? Some players want the sport to return, others don't. But one thing to note, I think it was Georgia. That's a, I'm going question mark there. But it was a freshman quarterback who they had thought was either going to push for the starting role or push for the starting role in the future, actually developed a heart condition from COVID. So, you know, there's, there's no, there's not really, we're at risk all the time with COVID. You know, we just have to be safe and do the best we can to prevent everyone from getting sick. But this is just, you know, another typical case of, wait and see um it's it's just very interesting and you know it it would suck to be a university athlete right now well it's tough too like it's really hard to train when you don't know when you're going to come back and play again yeah i think i think we actually talked about this when brownies interview but when we said like yeah like training and having a start date it's it kind of impacts and how your training methods and like you'd said right your general focus of training yeah because you're training way harder at the start of the off season than you are when the season starts to come around just to lower the risk of potential injury but at this point you're kind of stuck like right in the middle portion of that training schedule just because you don't know when you can start to like turn it on in terms of competition and slow down in terms of like getting back into shape. No, perfect, perfect analysis. Um, I think with keeping with the football focus, uh, we should transition to the NFL a little, a little bit. Uh, it really depends team by team by team focus um, in terms of fans at games this upcoming football season with it being just over two weeks away. Uh, from kickoff, um, but three teams I wanted to focus on. Uh, the first one being the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins publicly stated that they're going to have thirteen thousand people at their games. Uh, you know, Miami being at the forefront of the shit show that is COVID. I think that there is a possibility that they can do this without getting sick. It's just they need the money, and do you want to run the risk of getting sick? Uh, not only are you putting your fans at risk, but you increase your players are getting sick as well. Uh, the Chiefs publicly said that they're going to be looking at 20% capacity within their stadium. And, you know, I'm going to go break down the Browns a little bit later on, but uh, why? What's wh- how are you feeling about this? What's kind of your position on having football fans at games? It's, it's something I can understand from the business side. Because obviously you you want that money and you need that money. They need and it's the a money, yeah. Bi- it's a big chunk of money in order to be able to pay the players and for the owners to make money themselves because like, they do need to make money. Football is one where I think it is manageable because 
typically those stadiums are fifty to 60,000 people. Yeah, they're fucking huge. So if you have something like 13,000 people in that stadium, you should be able to have a lot of distance between them. Obviously, that's going to come down to whether the fans actually want to respect those rules or not, or if they want to just like flock the lower bowl when they've got 500 level tickets. Um, I know the Seahawks said that for the first three home games, I think they're not going to have any fans. Um, obviously, th- this is all contingent on there even being a football season. I, yeah. no, I'm, oh. still conv- I'm still convinced that there shouldn't really be one. I mean, we've already seen the CFL postpone their entire season. Obviously, that was due to different things and the fact that the CFL had absolutely no money to run on. Yeah, they need and those went, seats, man. And, they, yeah, and went went trying to get a loan from the Canadian government. They got shot shut down. And obviously the NFL, you could, I think Patrick Mahomes could pay the entire CFL salary. <laughs> but, Not even uh, a hot take. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm still not convinced that there should be an NFL season or that there, there will be, but I think if any sport could run and has the highest chance of fans still being safe while being in the stadium, I would think it would be the NFL as long as they can execute it properly. Yeah, I think, you know, like you had mentioned before, right, with the immense amounts of seats available, that if they're going to be, if, if there's any sport to do it, it's going to be football. Uh, I just want to break down the Browns plan a little bit, just because this kind of gives more context to everyone. So the Cleveland Browns have outlined how they're going to be going forward with this. Um, Pretty much, you can only buy tickets online. They don't even do box office anymore. Uh, You have to buy your tickets online. In terms of seating, it it gauges on, I think, an individual person can buy between 1 to 10 tickets, depending on how large the, the family is coming to the game. Uh, At that point, you have to go to designated entrances of the arena. Obviously, they're going to try and spread everyone out as far as they can. And you're specific isolated to the seats you're buying. Um, And and those who are able to buy these tickets are predominantly season seat holders. So they will be having the first ability at buying these tickets. Um, From my understanding, that is what the Browns are doing. That kind of seems like a foolproof plan. Uh, nothing really can go wrong there. And they're also limiting, I. this is more of a guess based off of those guidelines they had in place, but uh, they are limiting the early arrival. Um, you know, when when you and I went to the Patriots game, we, we got in early and saw the you know Brady throwing it around. So I'm assuming people can't do that anymore. But I mean, that's just kind of the Cleveland Browns outline. Um, but what do you, I mean, you can't really dispute that. Why? What do you think? No. It makes sense because, I mean, typically when you're showing up early, it's to, like, try and meet players. Yeah, yeah. get get those um, autographs. Yeah, especially with baseball. Obviously, baseball doesn't allow fans, but that's just, like, my – the best comparison I have. Like, baseball, you, everybody shows up early. You go down, stand on the third baseline or the first baseline, depending on if you're a homer or a wear, and – uh just stand out there with your jersey hanging over the side and um, your sharpie, uh, your sharpie Bruce, in your hand. <laughs> Bryce, Bryce, Bryce. My jersey. Oh, it's on my face. And then, uh, but yeah, like I, I've been, uh, 
on the sideline pregame for an NFL game too. And it, it's literally the exact same thing. I mean, you're just walking around trying to get guys like high five you, sign whatever you have, like have a conversation. So that makes sense. And realistically, like the gates open so early so that they can get all 60, 65, 70,000 fans in before the game starts, or at least like give themselves the best shot to. So with the limited capacity, it makes sense that those doors aren't going to open as early just because like they're not needed. You're not going to have as many fans like needing to go get food or go to the washroom or anything. So it makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I really didn't know what to think of this just based off of, you know, had we covered the CFL earlier and saying they didn't, they were going to postpone the season at all. So I didn't really have anything else to compare this to. So the Browns, um, looks like they're they're heading in the right direction. Another team that's heading in what looks like the right direction is the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they've recently traded um, Kapanen to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, I know in our group chat why we both agreed that the, the the Leafs came out on top here, but what was your first reaction of Kapanen getting traded to Pitt? Back to Pitt, well, I should say. I think I've made it very clear my opinions on Kyle Dubas as a general manager on this show. He's a Brock alum. He, he, yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> I think this, this, was a, this was a trade between the two worst general managers in the NHL. And Kyle Dubas absolutely just like... Fleece. It's, it's like he was like a 10th grader and Rutherford's like a third grader on Halloween and Kyle Dubas just took all his candy. Ooh, from a baby. It looks like yeah. him. Like, listen, Kapanen, I honestly think he's going to score 35 goals playing with Crosby. Like, I could score 35 goals with playing with Crosby. And Jack can't shoot the puck. (laughs) I can't raise it. So, um, in in the long run, this could look good. But I don't know what they're thinking. Like, the uh, first round pick at 15th overall in the the deepest draft in the last 10 years. What are you thinking? Like, if any if any team needs to put young players on their roster, it's Pittsburgh. That team is old. Yeah, no, I mean... And, and they have no cap room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this trade makes no sense. You have no cap room, and the cap's not going up. So, and, like... Nobody wants Brandon Tanev, who you're paying three and a half million dollars. Like, you're gonna trade Gensel? You can't trade Latang. He's the only defenseman you have. I mean, I guess that's not really true. They do have Dumoulin and Milano. Dumoulin's good in his own zone. Yeah. Yeah, and Schultz. And they got yeah. Pedersen, the guy they traded for Sprung, who's solid. Yeah, no, he's he a solid four guy. But uh, they got a lot of overpaid forwards like McCann, Tanev. Um, they do have Rust, who's a nice piece. Although I do think he's kind of the benefactor of playing with Crosby. Yeah, he's the the Kunitz effect. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And then he just makes money because he puts up points while playing next to them. But no, you're uh, you totally covered it. Um, Dubas fleeced uh, Rutherford in this. So they get the they get the fifteenth overall pick. They shed the cap of Kapanen. It gives them more mobility to either trade for a defenseman or you know uh, sign someone in free agency. But the 
when I was listening to an interview by Darren Dreger, the 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 forward that they collected from Pittsburgh is Hollander. To, yeah, is expected to be a top nine forward. Well, when they've he, been looking at Hollander and Rodriguez for a long time, apparently. Yeah, yeah, uh, like that interview, right? Um, yeah. Dreger highlighted how the Leafs actually wanted Hollander, and then Pittsburgh, I think, picked them three picks before and then got him. But anyways, yeah, Leafs Leafs have coveted him, and they get their guy, and they get their first overall, their first round pick this year so uh dubis way to go (laughs) yeah i mean if you look at that trade it basically washes out the fact that they gave a first round pick up for marlo yeah no because that that pick was what 14 i think so 14 the number 13 sticks out but i could be wrong yeah it, it was 13 or 14 so they essentially get that pick back and then they dump cap for two guys that they've wanted for the last two years it's a fat win it's a fat win. So, I mean, hey, I, I props to Kyle Dubas. Like, you're not going to do much in changing my opinion of you, but nice trade. No, uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I liked it. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to cover in the news? No, I, I got nothing. All right, let's just keep on that hockey focus, and let's jump into the NHL playoffs. Man, there are two teams I have been just burying this this playoffs in terms of incredibly low expectations uh that is the islanders and your canucks um islanders they they made florida look like shit they made washington look like shit and before game two today against philly they've made philly look bad uh without without uh without focusing on uh today's game the islanders went four and oh uh four oh four and oh two and one and three and two in the last four games like their defensive abilities is just suffocating opponents to the point where they only need to score three goals to win a game. And that is not much to ask for a team with great depth and re- regarded as a team that has the best fourth line in all of hockey. Um, I mean, the Islanders have made me look like an idiot this entire playoffs, but I mean, the Islanders Philly series, man, I have no idea how that could go. If I'm the playing, Islanders, have played Islanders hockey against every team that they've played against, and nobody just, I guess nobody can break it down or nobody wants to, but like it's incredible to watch. And, man, Trotz is an incredible coach. He's their best player. Trotz is their best player. He is. But uh, that series is, that's one that I really, I mean, I think I've made it clear what I think of Philadelphia. I, I genuinely think that they are the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. But uh, this is turning into a defensive series, which is not good for Philadelphia. No, no, not at all. Like yeah. their, their defense isn't bad by any means, but it's not to the level of the Islanders. And, I mean, Carter Hart is playing lights out, but Varlamov is playing better. Yeah, like, had you have have you seen Varlamov's stats? He's eight and two with a one point five and a nine forty one. Obviously, though, that's not taking in today's game where he got pulled in the first period after giving up three goals. So that's going to change that a little bit. But yeah. uh, that's money from a guy who hasn't been great over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, he was he was in Washington, then he jumped over to Colorado. Couldn't really stay healthy when he was in Colorado. And he was he was there when the Avs were just were building into the dynasty that they are now, but 
man, Varlamov in that system has looked very, very good. And one thing I think I think it that that's a system that really benefits goalies though. Like, oh no! Like, Thomas Thomas Grice has looked incredible, and that's not an doctor. Thomas Grice, he, he's a great professional. He's been in the NHL for what ten years now. Yeah, um, he's in the Sharks before jumping yeah. the aisle. Uh, Laner looked incredible there, and was able to like refine his game. Um, and obviously, we're now seeing that that by no means was a fluke. Um, but I think they kind of play a similar style to like the early 2000, late 90s Devils. <laughs> we were listening to the same interview. I heard the same thing. Oh, I didn't even no? listen to anything. Okay. Um, yeah, they no, that's, the that's, that's just how I think they play. I mean, not a whole bunch of offensive talent, but solid in that. And I mean, Varlamov's nowhere near Broder, but uh, the defensive style of hockey just, uh, it, it, it's almost the exact same. Yeah, no, they, when I was, the, the term I like to use for the Islanders' defensive system is suffocating, in the sense that they really limit you for time and space, but the time and space they do give you is perimeter stuff. And when you're a goalie and you're facing perimeter shots all night long, you're making saves and you're building your confidence. That is not something an opposing team wants to do, is have the goalie incredibly high confidence in his game, right? You're, like, it's, it's just incredible to watch in the defensive zone and the Islanders are making me poor so that's not nice either yeah I, you you couldn't give me money to bet on the Islanders yeah for or, for or against them <laughs> it's just not something I'm willing to do um one thing a point of concern that I'm going to point out here is uh the Flyers are four for 40 on the power play in the playoffs if they can get going it's, it's if they can get go they need to get going yeah like that's not good. And they have the weapons, which is... I, th- I think the Canucks scored four power play goals in one game. Uh, yeah, yeah. On fucking so, Pennington, which is too bad. Yeah, I... Yeah. We've covered that. Yeah. But, it's just uh, depressing. I don't want to talk about it. That's an alarming statistic for a team with that much offensive talent. No, it is. It is. It is very much so. Um, transitioning to the next series. Man, Lightning Bruins. Could you could you ask for a better second round series? It's oh it's not at all. Incredibly entertaining. It could go either way. Uh, I think whoever wins this will knock off the winner of the Honors and Flyers at this point. My confidence in the Flyers have dropped, but man, the Lightning and the Bruins have looked very very good so far. Very entertaining too. Yeah, we got the the uh, Lightning up two nothing as we're talking about this right now. Well, I have I would have picked the Bruins to win if Rask had stayed in the bubble. Um, I mean, these teams, very similar in sense how they're built, right? Um, Let's just break it down a little bit. I would give the slight edge of the forwards to Tampa. I think that they overall have a better depth than the the Bruins do, excuse me. The Bruins really only have that top line in Krejci on the second line in terms of offensive threat. Do you you agree? Do you want to tell me I'm an idiot? What do you think? Uh, I like Coyle and DeBrusque. Um, I think their back end's got some solid offensive talent as well with yeah. Krug and McAvoy. No, I, I totally agree. Um, I I like the Lightning with Sorelli, and then they got Goodrow and uh, fuck, Coleman. Kalorn in Coleman. Like, yeah, I, I, I'd still – I'm confident given the slight edge of the oh, forwards. Oh, no, I, I, I'd, I'd give the slight edge to Tampa, but I think Boston's got some guys that you kind of forget about lower in their lineup. 
and I, I like the I like the Bruins D. I think they the Bruins had the slight edge in the D, but going into the goalies, I man, Vasi's better than Halak. I I don't even see Halak in the same realm as Vasilevsky. Oh, not at all. But what I thought was impressive was like, you haven't even really noticed that Rask isn't there. No, Halak is like I said in the previous episode, right? Halak could be a starter on ten NHL teams. Oh, and he's he's looking like it's looking like he's playing like when he took the crease away from Price when they made that run. Yeah, no, he, he's definitely doing his job and more for the Bruins. But I, yeah, I mean, I I got the Lightning winning that one, but if Rask was in this, it would be a different story. Yeah, what uh, what I'm noticing here, and tell me if let me know if you notice the same thing, but the uh, the East is really underwhelming in terms of offense. Like through the whole playoffs so far, I like. I mean, it I, it's the same numbers aren't being put up on the East. That's not something I really have considered, but I mean, when you look at, just comes to mind is two incredibly defensive teams in the Islanders and the Habs, who you know have have pushed their opponents to the limits. Um, no, that's not something I really have considered much. Uh, I, and then the Jackets, too, with their defensive uh, limits. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's not something, not something I've really considered, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, I think if we see a Tampa or Tampa or the Flyers in the finals against, like, Colorado, Vancouver, or Vegas, we're going to see eight goals a game. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It's going to be north-south hockey, and it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, the the Canucks and the Avs, man, they can fly. And then the, same with Vegas. Vene- uh, Vegas has got probably the what the the best forward depth. And I mean, I know you're pushing for the Canucks to win, but I I really don't see how the Canucks can get past Vegas in this series. Yeah, let, let let's just let's move right to that series. I obviously I'm always going to push for them. Um, I had the Canucks and Vegas meeting in the Western Conference Final. And at that point, I had Vegas winning in six. But um, I think Robin Lehner's stats in the playoffs are very misleading in terms of his save percentage looks really good. Or, sorry, his goals against average looks really good. His save percentage is not good. He's just not facing a whole bunch of shots. Um, And I think Vancouver capitalized on that in Game 2. And game one, they just came out. I think they they hit a high when they beat St. Louis, and then probably maybe they partied a little bit too much, knocking off the defending champs. And they came in really flat. And uh, I think Toffoli coming back is going to change the series. Yeah, no, and when we were just texting each other and we were talking about that series, you had mentioned Myers returning and then Toffoli. Um you know my stance on Myers. I don't think he's very good, but yeah, that took Foley acquisition. Man, that guy's won a cup too. And well, him and Pearson, and you t- you put Toffoli in, and you take Louis Erickson out. That is a big plus. Yeah, absolutely, big plus. And then he he scores three points in his first game. It's like, well, we've been missing that the whole time. Oh boy, oh boy. Vegas needs to watch out. Yeah, and Antoine Roussel stopped doing the dumb shit he was doing in game one. When Reeves is in his head, oh man, yeah. No, I'm. I got the uh, the box score of game two up, and 
I mean, if somehow Vancouver can keep that 66 faceoff percentage victory out of Vegas, Vegas had 34% and it had 40 shots. That's insane. Well, see, That's- what's shocking is Vancouver plays better when they're giving up a lot of shots. Like, when Markstrom faced 40-plus shots this year, I don't think he lost in regulation, which is ridiculous. And, no, I, I'm glad you bring up Markstrom because that's there's a difference between... I think Vegas can win this series without relying on Leonard. They can simply outscore Vancouver, but Vancouver cannot rely on poor play from Markstrom in the sense that Markstrom is as far as we... Uh, Markstrom carries the Canucks, and he decides how far they go. I think, I think we actually discussed this in a previous episode, but we've seen it in the past where Vancouver has been able to win very, very close games with relying on Markstrom making, you know, 30, 35 saves like you just mentioned before. But, I mean, that guy, that guy's been looking really good so far. Can't wait to see. Yeah, his really price trying. just keeps going up too. Oh, yep. That guy well, is going fantastic. to be happy. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be set. But, man, he, like, he's, he's looking... He's looking at a five-year contract at around seven million now. One thing to note too, when he was coming up in Florida, like this is this is what people expected. Like he was highly coveted draft prospect. I want to say he was the first round, even like what top ten. He was uh, he was supposed to go mid mid first, mid to late first, and he went second pick of the second round. Okay, so yeah, I mean people are scared to draft goalies in the first round, but no, like you said, right? Vancouver getting him from Florida in the Luongo trade, like the expectation for Markstrom was to be a stud of a starting goaltender, and there were fears he wasn't really living up to that in his earlier NHL experience. But I mean, this year he's just looked absolutely incredible in timely fashion when your contract's up and Vancouver's got to pay you millions. But fucking yeah. right, well, right Markstrom. <laughs> Vancouver does a very good job of bringing up. Young goalies. Yeah, they got a whoever their goalie is and genius. Ian Clark. Yeah, genius. Um, no, I mean, over the last not the same, but <laughs> what's their yeah, they're good. Exhibit over the last Schneider. 15, 16 years, I mean, it started with uh, Alex Ald coming up, and they made him look like he was borderline elite, elite enough to trade him for Roberto Luongo. Um, and then obviously you saw Luongo develop into. The Hall of Fame goalie. Absolutely freak. Um, And then they had Schneider come up. Obviously, Schneider was a first-round pick, and it was expected that he would be good. But He was good. I mean, he looked good. He was good, and they developed him into – when he got traded for Bo Horvat, he was a top-10 goalie in the NHL, and I don't think anybody would have argued that. No, it's pretty – And then after that, I mean, the Canucks made Eddie Lack look like he was going to be a very good starting goaltender. To the point where two teams gave him a try. Yeah. And, I mean, that guy runs an incredible Twitter account. <laughs> he just wasn't a great goalie. But good. I, he, was, he was good in Vancouver to the point where they started him over Ryan Miller in the playoffs. Um, and now we're seeing the rise of Jacob Markstrom, Thatcher Demko, Michael DiPietro. I mean, the, the Canucks... Do a very good job of staying deep, and they, I swear they love goalie controversies in Vancouver. <laughs> like they love them. But uh, no, the rise of Jacob Markstrom is it's fast. It it's been coming fast over the last two years, and uh, I I 
I don't think you can argue that he's a top 10, maybe even top 8, 7 goalie in the NHL right now. No, it's it's well said. Um, I think we should keep with the – do you want to break down the the Dallas-Colorado series or do you want to jump to stay on that, that drafting trend and jump into the Coyotes controversy? Uh, let's, let's, let's wrap up with Dallas and Colorado. So, yep, uh, Anton Kodobin. Uh, is very good right now. And Looking Dallas, like a third and goalie. Fuck, man. Dallas is up two. And with the injury of Grubauer, this uh, this is not looking good for the Colorado Avalanche. That's just killed them. And yeah. Franco's like, is good, he's a sufficient man. goalie. He can play. He's, he can. It, his record was 21-7-4 this season with a 2-41 and 9-23. Th- those are starting goaltender numbers. No, but, they, uh, go ahead. Like that, and Dallas isn't an offensive team, and they're putting up numbers. I mean, the comebacks that they've had in the last, in two of the last three games. I mean, come back from three nothing down, score seven straight. I mean, Gurionov scored four of them, um, and then come down, come back from two nothing in the last game. And uh, can we talk about Miro Heiskanen and how incredible he's playing? Man, he's he's taking over. I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't even know Makar's in the series. No, it's it, you. You captured it, man. It's he's been carrying the stars, and then with the with the uh, Sagan's been playing well. Uh, Radulov's has shown up. Pavelski's shown up, and yeah, the owner's finally getting what he's asking for. <laughs> and Kudobin's played well. So, I mean, the stars. Despite their pass of somehow always fucking up in the playoffs last year, though they were what weren't they two wins away from going to the Stanley Cup Finals against when they were playing against St. Louis? Was that not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, yep, they were. Yep. So, yeah, I mean Dallas is doing it again, and they've they're playing well in the playoffs, and they've they've got that veteran status, right? They've got Scory Perry, they've got Sagan, like I said, right? So they have some of the the appropriate tools to do well and they're just putting it together um before we transition to the superstar that mckinnon is would you want anything else to say on that on just how the stars are playing no i mean they've they've finally put it together and i haven't thought that the stars were a very good hockey team this entire season um especially from an offensive standpoint i think during the regular season they scored 198 goals and let in 196 um, that's not exactly numbers that you want to see where you're barely outscoring teams, like literally scoring the exact same amount of goals. <laughs> that's typically going to be like a 500 record, but somehow they end up in the round robin and then beat St. Louis and end up as the three seed. Um, I didn't think that they were going to knock off Calgary. And then... Yeah, neither, neither did I. Neither did I. They did. I think... Had Kachuk played, it would be a different story, but totally agree. I mean, you, you can't really talk about that because it did happen and now they're through. But I didn't, I, I completely wrote them off against Colorado. I looked at this and I'm like, Nathan McKinnon's gonna run all over them. Yeah, I, I, the two West series, I thought Colorado in five and then Vegas in five, maybe six, depending on how nice I wanted to be to you, but it's. Man, McKinnon, I saw this on Instagram the other day. The post was, was, it was intriguing, no less. 
the post said McKinnon is better than McDavid. And, you know, that had me thinking. You can make the argument. You, yeah, you could. Um, that, is, that is not a discussion for today. But, man, McKinnon, McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen have shown up. It's, oh, it's that yeah. depth. It's the issue last year. Well, even Kadri's shown up. Kadri's well, got Kadri, man, is looking great in 10 games or whatever it is. But, yeah, he's looking like, like he's scoring. Man, they, they, they need Burakoski to show up. They need Comfort to get some more goals. Donskoy, like Yost, uh, Nishkinen. They need their depth to show up. I mean, you're seeing that with the Stars and, you know, with Grubauer out, they're going to need to score more goals. So they're, they're not going to win a game 2-1. They don't have the defensive. They do have great defense, no less, but they don't have the defensive it, touch no, to win a game. Out, they're not going to out-defense Dallas. Yeah, that, that's the point I'm trying to make. It's yeah 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 that's all i got yeah I, th- I think that it's the same series as philadelphia and the island i, I think it's pretty much I, the same series i think like if we're are you comparing philly to colorado i'm assuming yeah so. yeah obviously i think colorado has more offensive upside but i think in terms of looking at them they're very similar yeah yeah uh, yes and no i think dallas has a the the big guns on Dallas are far superior than that of the Islanders, but for the most part, yeah, I, I could see the comparison. But uh, yeah, I I think Dallas is gonna the way it's going. I think Dallas takes it in five, oh, and no. I think <laughs> I think that Canucks. Way. I think the Canucks in the night series ends up going to seven. Yeah, no, it's uh, it very well could. I mean, if Flurry comes in for game three. Which is looking very likely. Yeah, his agent showing that picture. <laughs> the sword he's money back. against the Canucks, though, hey? Sorry, say that again? Career against the Canucks, he's 12-2-2. Two, two. He hasn't lost against them in like 14 years. Yeah, fuck it, why not? Throw him in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, let's keep that hockey train going, and let's talk about the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, they are in some heat. They were recently penalized for their cheating in the past. I will break this down for our listeners who do not know what's going on. The Arizona Coyotes were had accusations of cheating in their draft selection. So what they were doing was they were physically testing tw- at least 20 players just for context uh, the NHL fuck the the player the teams are allowed to test the test the athletes psychologically but not physically. And the Arizona Coyotes were doing physical testing. And the penalty that is associated with each testing, remember, they did at least 20 players, is 250000 per player. Jesus, that's all I got to say about that. So originally, Coyotes ownership were saying, you know what, no, we weren't doing this. You know, they were backing Chica. Chica claimed defense. He was like, no, we weren't doing this. And then slowly around, what, January? Things started to change in yeah. Arizona. Someone must have said, "You know what, guys, we're fucked. We have to, you know, at least help them in order that in order to possibly get a lesser penalty." That's what they did. So the ownership of Coyotes claimed to have helped the NHL in terms of gathering information and evidence to see if the, you know, Chica specifically were training these players to gain more knowledge and seeing if they were draft quality. Anyways, the penalty came down. What yesterday, this today, and they got yeah, absolutely fucked. They got fucked. They lose their first rounder next year. Remember, they can't lose their first rounder this year because they traded it away from the Taylor Hall trade. 
and they lose their second round this year. Interesting to note, before I get your opinion on this, Wyatt, was before the accus- before the penalty came in, the primary penalty for all this was was monetary. It was rumored to be around $5 million for the Coyote management and ownership to pay off of. Excuse me, that's more, that's more focused on ownership. When the penalty came in, there was no monetary fine. Nothing. Just draft picks. And this is, you know, my conspiracy hat going on right now. I got it, I got it locked on. But this is something to note in Bettman's relationship with the Arizona Coyotes and the new management coming in. You know, he thought maybe the penalty shifting from money to draft, draft picks might be better for them in terms of the overall future devel- development and the Arizona Coyotes being successful in Arizona. Um, I, that's just the context for our listeners. Wyatt, what is your kind of opinion on this before I go into my spiel? So this is actually the first time that the NHL has moved forward with officially taking away a first-round pick from a team. Um, if, you, if anybody remembers, when the Devils signed Kovalchuk and then he left to Russia, and uh, it was found out that the Devils signed, like, a, the contract wasn't how the NHL liked it. So they they were going to strip the Devils of a first-round pick, and they gave the Devils a four-year span to choose a first-round pick to get rid of. Um, ultimately, the Devils waited the four years. They gave up that pick, and then the NHL came back and said, we'll still give you the first-round pick, but it's going to be at the end of the first round. Um, and then if, if you look at the, the NFL and what they've done in terms of cheaters or alleged right. cheaters... Um, they took away the Patriots' first-round pick in 2008. They took the Saints' second-round picks in 2012 and 13 for Bounty Gate. Deflate Gate resulted in a first-round pick in 2013 from the Patriots, and then for tampering, the Chiefs lost a third-round pick in 2016. So this was 20 cases of the Coyotes cheating, and it results in a first and second-round pick. I'd say like they honestly got off pretty light. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Um... One thing to note too, with and then there's the Astros cheating. Um, they lost a first and a second in two back-to-back years, as well as a five million dollar penalty. Um, one thing to note: often these penalties are associated with a financial fee, and Arizona got nothing in terms of that. Which I like. They also said, have no finances. Yeah, I mean, Bettman just gave them a soft one. But, I mean, going forward, you have to consider he set the precedent, right? Yeah. If, if, if a team does this again, they're just going to look at losing a first and a second. I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, that's still significant. It is significant, but. Especially for a team that, like, if you're doing this, you're probably not a very good team. <laughs> and you're really trying to hit on your draft picks. Which Arizona has not been able to. They don't have. Yeah, which, I mean, you're cheating and you still can't draft. Yeah, so. they can't draft for shit. Um, yeah, this is. Uh, I, I, I can't see anybody risking it knowing that this is the penalty. Because if you're giving up a first and a second round pick, you're getting a pretty good player in a trade. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Can't can't see any teams willing to risk that. 
yeah, knowing well, that's I, what I, the penalty is. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's it, it could have been a little bit more, but first and a second is a lot. Is a lot in in the penalty that is the Arizona Coyotes. Um, I think with that in mind, we should transition over to some baseball and the MLB season so far. Before uh, we talk about our biggest surprises, one thing I do need to discuss is my favorite team, the New York Yankees, who are having a good year if they were to never play the Tampa Bay Rays. Why? The, without the Yan- with the Yankees not playing a single game against the Rays, excluding the Braves games today, they would be 15-3. and three. Fucking incredible. Now, with the Rays, they're 16-9. and nine. They can't fucking beat the Tampa Bay Rays, man. They're man, the Rays are stingy. The Rays are like the Islanders of the MLB. They're, they're like the Vancouver Canucks in the sense the Rays can develop pitching, man. Every year, they just create these gems. Well, it's, it's them and the athletics. There's absolutely no payroll, and every year they're good. Every and it year, makes man. no sense. I was before the season started. I saw. I think it was Alex Rodriguez, and he had the Rays going to the final in the American League, and I thought he was fucking crazy. And I'm looking at the Rays now, being 20 and 11, right? And their overall record in season series this year is five wins, one loss, and three ties. Jesus, man, the Rays are incredible right now. And within two run games, they're 10 and six. Well, you know why? They're used to not playing in front of anybody. <laughs> it's not throwing them off. So it's, I mean, the Rays and the Yankees uh, have been two teams. Well, obviously, I love the Yankees, so we're going to talk about them. But, man, the Rays have been just proving me wrong and just having a great season so far. Yeah. I mean, I think part of that with the Yankees is, like, half their team's injured. Yeah. As they are every single every year. year, man. They they can't stay healthy. They have three relief pitchers out. Uh, Stanton's out. Judge was, I believe, he was supposed to come back today. I haven't checked that box score. But man, the, the Yankees can never stay healthy. I don't know whether it's the the offseason training their pro, their their physical trainer does, or whether it's something something's wrong. And they got it. Someone's got to be responsible for this. They can't go every year getting injured. Like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, frustrating, man. Um... It's going to be interesting to see what they do with the trade deadline. I've seen stuff with uh, looking like you should. Ur, is it Urshela? Oh yeah, Gio Urshela. Urshela, yeah. yeah, the third baseman. Yeah, looks like he's going to get shipped out for for some outfield depth or some uh, some starting pitching depth. But uh, this is going to be an interesting trade deadline, I think. With uh, it's going to, I don't think you're going to see. A, any blockbuster trades, but I think you're going to see a lot of trades involving guys with expiring contracts and a lot of trades with guys that are under team control for the next few years, specifically because MLB, we, I mean, gen, gen, sports in general don't really know how the financials are going to look for the next few years, and lots of teams in MLB really don't know what they can afford year to year if they're not able to accurately forecast their revenues no that's that's well said um the yankees are typically linked to every trade rumor that is in the mlb every single one yep and yeah i mean geo ursula we're not a pronouncing podcast 
but he's having a good year and he's a young up and coming guy that's that has been around for I believe this is his third full MLB season but he's a name that the Yankees have thrown around as well as their shortstop slash DH uh fuck I'm gonna butcher this D De Hawar fuck <laughs> Miguel De Hawar or something like that that is not right but he He's a guy that last year they he was injured in, I believe, the second week of the season. Anyways, he's another prospect slash recently MLB uh, game day player that the Yanks have thrown around. But like you had said, right, you, you did a good job of analyzing and how a lot of the contracts, contracts excuse me, that are expiring this year will be traded at the deadline. Uh, yeah, we'll, I think oh, one guy that could be interesting to see if the Yankees look into is... Uh... Justin Upton for some outfield depth. Upton, yeah, um, that's he, he's hey. not he's he's playing bad. He's got a bad average, but uh, he's a, he's a quality player. Typically, he's a good uh, good glove in the outfield. Big contract though, which yeah. scares a lot of teams away. But obviously, the Yankees have an infinite amount of money, and they do not care how much they spend. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I actually, I want them to look at the Los Angeles Angels utility player, Tommy LaStella. LaStella, yep. Yeah, that's a guy, not only do I know he performs well, because I have him on almost every single one of my fantasy league team, but that guy fucking plays everywhere, and I feel like that's an undervalued position. It's like the guy in hockey that can play all three sides of the wing, right, left, center, and then right. Um... I mean, that's, no, that, that's a key piece to have, and every team needs a utility guy, especially when the, you're the Yankees and half the team is on the IL. <laughs> Absolutely. So, just personal preference, that's a guy who I'd like to see um, get traded. Um, one thing to note, too, I think some wild cards, possible trades. Um, I'm going to throw the Cardinals left fielder, Marcel Ozuna, out there. He's got one year left on his deal. And depending on where the Cardinals finish and their general plan. I think he's a free agent at the end of this year, isn't he? I think yeah. he signed a one-year deal. Yeah, 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 like his contract's up after this year, yeah. yeah. That's what I was trying to say, but, you know, words are hard. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's a guy that hasn't really been in terms of connected to trade rumors at all, but that's someone who of great value. A lot of teams could uh, want him. Oh, big name, going to be a big return. Yeah, so that's just, that's a hot take. That's something a guy I, I just keep out for. Yeah, I uh, Clevenger obviously is a big name that I think is Yankees were linked to him too, but of course they are. <laughs> um, every year, Cindergard gets brought up. Wow, well, um, yeah, man. I I still think he could move. I think it's less likely now, but I think it's still possible. Um, the Mets could move him and bring back a shit ton, a shit ton, a literal shit ton. Um, I th- I think they they'd look. They'd look to bring back pitchers, probably young guys, um, or a couple established guys that, I mean, you're going to get an, the combined value is what Syndergaard would bring to the table. Um, I think Taiwan Walker from the Mariners is going to be a guy to look at. He's got an ERA of 4.0 through five starts this year. Um, and then Andrelton Simmons. From the Angels, oh, I think he's going to garner a lot there. of a lot of attention. Not a great bat, but uh, Gold Glove level in the field. 
Uh, I specifically think that the Blue Jays are going to be looking at him since Bo Bichette's looking uh, kind of shaky to return at all this season. Yeah. And uh, the shortstop position's been uh, a hard one to fill. They got Joe Panic and... Uh, Panic sucks. <laughs> Panic's ass. He's, he's not good with the bat. He is uh, not a gifted guy. He's a gold glover, though. Did win a gold glove. Yeah. So and uh, they got this Santiago Espinal guy playing there right now. He's uh he's not bad. He's hitting two fifty right now, but uh, never going to turn down an established major league guy at shortstop. And uh, it's looking like they're shopping Rowdy Telez as well. They just picked up Voglasong for cash from the Mariners, and that guy's a unit. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, he hit 30 home runs last year. It was a whole star. He, hit, he, he was also batting like 208. Yeah. Eh. But, it was uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they got their eyes on these uh, on Williams and Cool from the Pirates for some pitching depth because the they've finally figured out how to put a bullpen together, and the starting pitching has fallen apart with the exception of Hyun Jin Ryu, who looks like an absolute stud. Yeah coming out of the Dodgers. He had a rough uh, first three games, but after rough, that... Yeah, first two games, his ERA was like 15. Then then he came in. He came to his form and is looking like a, an ace that he is for the Blue Jays. Yeah, well, $20 million a year. You'd hope so. kind of hoping for something good. No, uh, one thing you'd mentioned before, too, right, with Simmons is he, he has been around for being only 30 years old. He's an incredible defensive player, and that's so when you want around your locker room with Biggio and Guerrero and Bo Bichette, right? Someone yep. you want you want them to be around with like a veteran with uh, success and fuck it, man. There is there is a benefit of being a young team, but you want to throw some vets in, right? So no, I'm I'm glad you brought up his name. With that in mind, I think it is time to head over to our final uh, topic of today's episode. And unless you wanted to touch upon anything else, why? Oh, I got nothing else. Let's uh, let's head to your favorite section of the podcast. Oh, the random thought of the week. Ooh, here we are. So not too long ago, it was Shark Week. And where am I going to go with this? But man, which animal would you like to watch for a full week on Discovery Channel? I think somebody needs to obtain a silverback gorilla. Oh, I fucking yes. And teach it how to work out. <laughs> and if we can see a silverback gorilla and what it would look like in peak physical form, I think that becomes the most useful military weapon in the entire world. A military weapon. Oh my god. You're like the guy in... <laughs> Fuck. Your favorite movie. The ones with the dinosaurs. Oh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah when, they, when they're trying to train the velociraptors to be like... Oh, yes. Assassins. Oh, yes. Precisely. I, mean, I feel like like the rogue... I mean, excuse me, not the rogue. Uh, the typical answer could have been like lion or crocodile. Like, what do those fucking things do all day? No, 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 no. We need to learn what peak silverback gorilla looks like. Man, I'm interested to see what a hippo does all day long. Imagine Man, they just sit there. Sit there. But imagine a hippo fighting a crocodile with those big-ass chompers. Aw. Man, you, you seen Madagascar? Gloria. Gloria's a 
Yeah. Boss ass bitch. Moto. Man. Moto. Yeah, she doesn't take no that's shit. That's what they do. Yeah, that, that, that's a hippo's life. <laughs> you want to see what a hippo does? Watch Madagascar. Ah, uh, I feel like there's more to know about the hippos. I feel like there's... Yeah, the silverback would be cool. But man, imagine a hippo. What, what, the, what the hell do those things do all day? Man, they lie in the, It's like watching a crocodile. And then the second they attack something, oh my god, have you seen it? It's cool. Yeah. At that point, it is cool. But you're also going to sit there for six hours and be like, why am I watching this? Because they only, they only attack when something enters like their habitat. And the majority of creatures are smart enough to realize not to do that. But uh, yeah, no. I'm a firm believer that somebody needs to teach a silverback gorilla how to work out. And I want to see how that looks. <laughs> and I want to see the results of that. Because yeah, you want him to fight if you, if you look at a gorilla right now, that thing is, it looks like if you could take like the perfect male and put it on like a eight foot frame, that's what it looks like. But they don't work out. That's Run just around. natural. So like Go natural, get it on some fucking protein supplements. Get them on the Arnold it would diet. Be, it would be incredible. It'd be a sight to behold. Obviously, no animal cruelty here. Just <laughs> teach it how to lift we are weight. For animal podcast. Yes, we love the animals, <laughs> but somebody please teach a gorilla how to dumbbell curl. I think it'd be a joke to see what a hippo does. I'm still, I'm still sticking on the hippo train. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. If you listen to this long, fucking rights. Most of you probably heard what we're talking about this week and then decided not to. But uh, thank you for another great episode of Moo. Uh, remember, as Wyatt always says, check it out on Instagram page. We post hilarious shit. And that's where you get to learn who we're interviewing that week in the episode. Give you little tidbits of the said episodes. And just all in all, great stuff. What? Yeah. I mean, you put it perfectly. Um, hit us up with a, an email or a DM. Let us know what you guys want to hear from us. And uh, moo. Moo. Moo is, moo is all we got, baby. Moo. <laughs>